0: to the Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcasts, which are now entering their fourth year of broadcast. Who would have thought that when Seth died in 2014, all these years later we would be making a podcast in his memory. It's a really exciting time for Charlotte and me. We've been recording 30 podcasts, one for each day in November, as part of Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. Charlotte has been talking to all kinds of people involved with pancreatic cancer and over the next 30 days we will hear lots of personal stories. Stories of love, stories of commitment, stories of hope and sadly as always with pancreatic cancer stories of loss. Each story will help you understand the challenges of pancreatic cancer as well as the signs and symptoms and will help you to have conversations with people and ensure that they are aware of what to look out for join us each day for our purple rainbow podcast if you miss any of the episodes you can catch up by visiting www.purplerainbow.co.uk where all of the podcasts will be stored for you to listen to at your leisure follow us on your podcast channel like and share And join us for an interesting month with lots of stories of love and hope. Hello,
1: welcome to Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcasts. It's me, Charlotte, Leslie's partner in crime when it comes to these podcasts. And this is one of our special episodes, our 30 episodes in 30 days to raise awareness for Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. Today, I am talking to Dr. Noreen Starling. She's a consultant medical oncologist at the Royal Marsden in London, and she specializes in different gut cancers, which includes pancreatic cancer. She's also a trustee of Pancreatic Cancer UK. And I thought this would be a great opportunity to actually go back to basics and talk about the pancreas itself. So I thought Noreen would be a perfect person to do this and that's how we start the interview i start off by asking her a little bit more about exactly what the pancreas is
2: and where it is as well i see patients in my clinic uh, every week and when i see patients for the first time and it's you know it's it's they're completely shell shocked they're seeing me we're talking about pancreatic cancer and i rewind because um, most people I think don't know what their pancreas is, where it, where it is and what it does. And so we start with, a, with an explanation of what the pancreas is. Um, and so it, it is a, it's a little organ, it's a tiny little organ, but it's a busy little organ uh, and it is shaped a bit like a feather and it sits behind your stomach, so sort of at the top of your abdomen, top of your tummy, but deep behind the stomach sort of in front of the spine and it's it's about, you know, it's about the, the, the size of the feather um, and it is, we, we call it a digestive organ, so its main functions are to aid our digestion, so it's, uh, you know, every time you have a meal, it's gearing into action, it's secreting digestive juices into the bowel to help us digest what we've just eaten uh, and it's also got a hormonal function, so um, you, you know you will know insulin and the pancreas makes insulin and that also regulates our sugar levels so again all tied into to eating and so in health it's got a really important job and it's working you know every time you, you, you eat
1: you say it's a very important job it's a really important job for something that not many of us know much about particularly as well it's
2: it's just ticking off of there in the background isn't it all the time i guess it is, it is, and I mean, when I think back to biology at school, I'm, I'm sure, I actually can't remember being directed to the pancreas. You can remember being taught about the lungs and the heart and the stomach and the bowel, but somehow it's, it's, it, it's there. Maybe I, I, don't even remember learning specifically about it. My kids are, are learning anatomy at school at the moment, and they haven't mentioned, I mentioned the pancreas, and we had a little chat about the pancreas the other night. Um, so you're right that it's, it's, it's important, but, but little known about. So, so when people come to my clinic and they've got pancreatic cancer, a it's a shock. Uh, B, you know, we use some of the uh, you know the time to talk about what it is they've got and why it is therefore that they might have presented as they did or feel as they do. You mentioned presenting with symptoms. There, what what are people generally
1: presenting with when it comes to pancreatic cancer?
2: I mean, there's a bit of a spectrum, and no um, two people are the same. Um, but there are there are symptoms you know that are common. Um, so and they can be quite vague, uh, which is why this can be difficult to pick up and why patients can present late. So uh, people can have non-specific tummy pains. Um, they can uh, present with weight loss and often significant weight loss. Um, some patients can present with jaundice. So that is dependent on whether where the cancer is arising. So if you go back to that little feather, the top bit, the head, the body or the tail. Now, if the, because the, the head is near where the bile duct drains um, and plugs into the bowel, patients uh, can present with jaundice if that bile duct is being squished, pressed. Um, and so jaundice can be a presenting feature. Diabetes, we talked about insulin production. If the pancreas isn't working properly, um, insulin levels might not be quite right and the patient might be presenting with diabetes. Tiredness, um, that's quite quite nonspecific. Indigestion, so we talked about the role of the pancreas in, in aiding digestion. So when digestion isn't normal, there can be abdominal bloating some patients might find that their stools have become floaty and difficult to flush because the fat's not being absorbed um, into the body. Um, And so I think those are probably some of the the symptoms we, we hear about. Some patients can also present with blood clots, because the, the blood can get sticky. So that's another way they can present.
1: This problem, and I've, you know, I have this conversation with so many different people, the problem with those symptoms is they're so easy to pass off as something else or to just not even pick up that it's a symptom of something. How many of us get through the week about going, oh, I'm shattered, oh, I'm just a bit, you know, a bit bloated. I'm not quite, I'm, I'm off my food at the moment, but, you know, I'm stressed at work or I'm stressed in with everything. It's so much that is just...
2: Almost like we've accepted as a normal as normal health, almost. No, you're right. I think it, it can be really difficult to tease out um, what things might help. I guess symptoms that just are very persistent and are getting worse—that's a red flag. Um, you know, uh, diabetes uh, in the context of some of these symptoms as well is a red flag. Um, cancer pain tends to arise and then get progressively worse that's a red flag so things that are are new um yeah i agree it's, it can be you know you can we can put them down to other things that are going on in our lives but i think cancer symptoms often persist and start to get worse and you know i mean do- doctors are included in this we often do just ignore things that are new and life is busy uh, and i think there's something around just generally as a society um, about our health behaviors and um, and seeking help but I think you know where we hope research will go is giving us a, a an earlier detection test something that might be you know we don't have one currently so something that may uh, be simple and easy to administer at a population level that's the holy grail really to an early detection test that could be potentially rolled out that is accurate. Uh, uh, and uh, can be incorporated into our healthcare systems.
1: Yeah, because you look at how the game has changed. I say game; it sounds very flippant, but it, you know how the situation has changed for those cancers that we can get those early detect those the, the screenings as such. Breast cancer, cervical cancer, prostate cancer—it's all of them are just so much easier to deal with because you're getting in earlier on, and it's just it's a
2: game changer, isn't it? It it, it is, and I th- and I think. So we are in a quite an exciting time i think for science and technology and engineering and converging all the amazing developments that we see into the problems of society including healthcare including you know pancreatic cancer there's one of the highest unmet needs that here in this disease for uh, transformational change whether that's early detection that's clearly important faster diagnosis getting patients more quickly to the point of being diagnosed, and then transformative treatments that really, um, uh, like you say, game changers in 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 helping um, transforming uh, survival in this disease. So we've talked a little bit about the the disease itself. What about
1: you? How did you get involved in this? In, you know, how has this ended up as
2: your specialism? Well, so I mean, I I always wanted to be a doctor. Um, I was quite. I'm single-minded about that. Uh, I come from a family of doctors so it's probably a bit sort of subconscious um, and then go, going through my training um, you, you know you think you think well what, what do I want to do what interests me what's, um, what's what's exciting and I think oncology for me cancer medicine had all of the ingredients in terms of um, the research potential Um, and the disease area and I just liked doing oncology I liked the the clinics I I, you know you establish this amazing relationship with your patients um, in quite difficult circumstances Um, but I found that you know pretty rewarding and fulfilling and I I ended up doing my research uh, at the Marsden with you know, one of the global leaders in gut cancers, um, David Cunningham, and just being incredibly inspired um, by the field, by the research, uh, by those, you know, these, the the clinics and, and this, you know, very close interaction with research. Um, So we, you know, we could see the problem, but then we're also looking for really these transformative solutions. Uh, And for me, you know, gut cancer um, had it all. uh, And, whilst pancreatic cancer may put some people off to me there's there's an there's a really important challenge here that i think um, researchers globally uh will find a solution to uh, and i and i wanted to be part of that really
1: so what's next what what are you looking forward to in a next sort of five ten years what what obviously we've talked about early detection early testing what you know what do you what can you what are you going to, I don't want to say predict because that sounds awful because no one can predict anything. I think if we've learned anything over the last 18 months, it's don't make predictions. Um, but what would you, you know, what do you see happening over the next sort of five, 10 years when it comes to pancreatic
2: cancer? Or what would you like to see happen as well? So we've talked about, um, as you've mentioned, Charlotte, the early detection side of things. And I think things in, um, there's some really interesting things happening right now, um, looking for, say, liquid biopsies. Uh, which is where you can detect tiny quantities of cancer in the blood using um, these, something called next generation sequencing techniques. And that field has really exploded and moved forward in the last few years as the technology sort of advanced and it creates potential. Now I don't know if it's going to pan out. There are various uh, things, you know, national um, pilot studies running currently, for instance, with um, the gallery test from Grail. Uh, so I really look forward to seeing the results of, of those pilot tests. And that's not just pancreatic cancer, that's across a number of cancers. So can that offer a solution? I mean, that we're even asking that and, and piloting it is, is great news. Um, but we do need to see what 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 the outcome of those studies will be. I think, you know, when I started oncology as a trainee back in, gosh, in the sort of 2002 um, if we looked to another disease, there melanoma, uh, which was, you know, a, a dreadful if it had spread and survival was under a year and um, often very young people um, affected. Uh, and treating the patients in the clinic, it was heartbreaking, really. We didn't have very effective treatments. I look at the, that field now. Um, half of stage four melanoma, advanced melanoma patients are being cured now. With a kind of a type of treatment called immunotherapy. And that was really leveraging a couple of decades, if not more, of really uh, cutting-edge science, which paved the way for this totally different treatment. So if that can be done in a disease that where survival outlook was really poor, you know, just over a decade ago, I really hope that with the clever scientists that are working around the world and people I know and work with that again, the the foundations for scientific breakthroughs that can be translated to treatment breakthroughs um, could be affected. Could that happen in the next decade? Well, I've seen it happen in another area. You know, I would love to see that happen in pancreatic cancer.
1: Thank you so much to Noreen for talking with me today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation we had i certainly learned lots especially about the pancreas as well don't forget you will be able to get a new episode tomorrow we're doing an episode every day in november to raise awareness for pancreatic cancer awareness month and on a sunday you'll get a special roundup episode of the podcast so every sunday i will reflect on what we heard during the week and play you the bits of the interviews that we didn't quite get into the episodes during the week think of it as like the companion podcast to the podcast you know like how bake off has extra slice that kind of thing it's the extended version almost like an omnibus but with bits added to it and you can always get in touch with us remember we are at uh, purplerainbow.co.uk if you want to send us a message or find any of the episodes that you have missed If you want to make sure you don't miss any episodes, of course, what you need to do is to follow the podcast wherever you normally get your podcasts from. Until tomorrow, thank you for listening.